Pushkin. You can find inspiring stories almost anywhere. For instance, check out the co-founders of Girls Who Do Interiors. This Miami-based design company was started by three friends when they were still in school. And right from the start, they turned to Chase for Business for everything from banking and payment acceptance to credit cards. And they handle them all in one place with the Chase mobile app. It's so important to have that kind of help when you're just starting out. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank N.A. member FDIC. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. Tractor Supply trusts 5G solutions from T-Mobile. Together, they're connecting over 2,200 stores with 5G business internet and powering AI so team members can match shoppers with the products they need faster. This is enriching customer experience. This is Tractor Supply with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. Last spring, my friend Stephanie and I had a chance to travel to Rome as part of her research trip. And as usual when I travel, we stayed at an amazing Airbnb. It was the perfect spot to check out the sights and just relax. But what was happening to my house while I was away? Did you know that while you're away, your home could be an Airbnb? Most people don't think about their space as an Airbnb, but hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey everyone. This week's episode of Talk Easy is supported by Movie, a curated online cinema streaming a selection of exceptional films from around the globe. Each day, Movie introduces a new hand-picked gem and you have one month to watch it. Whether it's a timeless classic, a brand new festival favorite, or a critically acclaimed masterpiece, there's always a perfectly curated selection of films to discover. Try it free for 30 days at Mubi.com slash TalkEasy. All right, let's hit it. Welcome to the show. This is Talk Easy, a weekly podcast of long-form conversations with the people shaping our culture today. I'm Sam Fragoso. Today on the program, we have one of the most exciting, emerging actresses working in film and television right now, Mackenzie Davis. Born in Vancouver, Canada, Davis first entered the movies in 2013. In a matter of 10 months, she appeared in the role of the friend in two wildly different but fascinating films. The first was Breathe In by director Drake Dormus, playing a high school student alongside actress Felicity Jones. Then came What If, originally titled The F Word, where Davis slipped into a different kind of supportive friend. As Nicole, she's high energy, crass, and profane, bitingly honest, no matter how much discomfort may follow. Those first two features serve as a telling snapshot for Davis's career. She's adept at crafting an interesting performance, no matter the project. Her range is what's truly striking about her. After gaining attention in 2013, Davis was selective in the roles she took, especially in film. She appeared in different but defined roles in two major studio movies, 
That Awkward Moment, a romantic comedy led by Zac Efron, and The Martian, the Matt Damon-driven expedition to Mars, directed by Ridley Scott. But where Davis has really found her stride is in television. Since 2014, Mackenzie has thrilled audiences in Halt and Catch Fire, AMC's latest dramatic gem of a show. In it, she plays a brilliant, no-bullshit, prodigal college student-turned-computer programmer in the 1980s during the personal computing revolution. Her latest performance comes in Sophie Takao's Always Shine, playing an ambitious actress trying to reconnect with her best friend, who is also a performer. Things, unfortunately, don't go as amicably as planned. Here's a trailer for the film, which opens this Friday, November 25th, at the Roxy Theater in San Francisco. A little bit. These are very small glasses. I know that I haven't been the greatest friend. Excuse me, haven't I seen you in in something? You're on TV, right? This is uh, is my friend Anna. She's she's also an actress. Have I seen you in anything? No, I would be surprised. God, you're so lucky to get paid to do what you love. We recorded this conversation about a week ago, so I think a week after the election results, which remains uh, on the minds of everyone I know, including Mackenzie, who was interested in talking about how the hell we move forward as a country and as a people in the wake of Trump. We also dive into the wide-ranging work she's doing in film and TV, along with what I hope is not too depressing of a conversation about death, prompted by our heartbreaking episode on Black Mirror. So, finally, here is Mackenzie Davis. We just met. Yeah. I need to, like, how are you feeling? Um, I feel... And I, and I ask it with only sincerity, not, like, a bullshit. How are you doing? Like, No, I think if I, I, I believed you when you asked me. Okay. Um, I feel such a great many things. I feel really sad um, and really scared and, like, irresponsible and privileged. And, like, I've just been ignoring things for the past week because I paid such close attention to everything for the last year and a half. Um, especially, I mean, generally, but anyways, um, what have you been ignoring? Well, I just, I feel like I got so wrapped up in this election and read everything and like listened to all the podcasts and followed everything. It was so (laughs) engaged in my own sort of small insular world. Um, and I just, it didn't matter at all. Like none of that information mattered. None of like, no predictions mattered. None of tracking something in real time mattered. The news doesn't matter. And I can't uh, say it. <laughs> well, it just this, didn't this, amount this. in any, like okay. the, any sense of not control, but, um, preparing yourself for, uh, an eventuality didn't happen. <laughs> this is very <laughs> caustic. This is like, yeah. very, this is harsh. And yeah, you're being hard on yourself though. Oh, I just uh... like the stuff. Okay, here's here's my defense of this. Okay, because I did the same thing you did. Okay, and binged and read and and tried to. I think I'm gonna cry. Okay, we can. We can this is that would not be uncommon. Okay. It's happened on this show. It's been a hard day doing yeah. like promoting stuff yeah. and being like. We're not... but we're on the the very edge of um like a, a human yeah. rights crisis. 
Yeah. Or in the midst of it, maybe. Sorry, go on. No, no. Um, we don't have to do any promoting. Okay. <laughs> uh, I think it still matters though like that you read it and that you paid attention and that we like yeah it didn't so when you know when you read the new york times thing that said like there's a 93 percent percent chance mm-hmm. that she wins it's still high it still matters that like we pay attention we have to still be vigilant like you're i think the way you phrase it seems like we're fucked and everything all the work you put in to caring went for nothing but i don't think that's true though right no it's not i just needed to recalibrate i think i had a really um stupid and and sort of like liberal point of view that by being informed meant being active and that's not what it means it's not enough yeah and uh and now i feel like protests are great for visibility i'm trying to understand protesting right now because i personally have like Protesting also feels good. It's really cathartic. You were doing that earlier, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I want there to be more purpose than like a personal catharsis. Um, and, and, and to, to make sure that I'm, I don't know. It's just, there's such an enormous amount of, um, horrifying potential in front of us that figuring out one place to focus is the where my mind is right now is like okay well what's the thing that we can work on right right now like what is the active thing instead of the the one tangible thing yeah that we can like wrap our heads around which seems to be convincing the electoral college not to cast their vote for donald trump which is unprecedented but completely legal and in some states um or minorly fined but i would be happy to donate to whatever those fines were for changing your electoral vote um I think to abide by convention in allowing this to happen um, so deeply upsetting because there is nothing conventional about the path to it. So why would we suddenly be bound to convention after the fact? It's upsetting. Yeah. I I uh, I don't know. Cheers. Oh, cheers. <laughs> See, this is still nice. I know. Yeah, there's no, there's we lens have, of... We have like this, which is like what makes like day-to-day life okay, I think. Oh, yeah, numbing oh, your feelings like, of food and wine. Yeah, but also this is, like, crazy privilege that we, like, yeah. like sit in this room. No one, like, no one's in here. I know. Except for that person who just walked in. Oh, cool. And um, have a conversation. Yeah. We can't take that for granted. I agree. Yeah. Does any part of you feel like, I don't want to be alarmist, no, but no, that no, there's no. a certain, that there's the potential that these days are numbered, where where this feels... Like a right and not um, a rebellion. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. I'm applying for my green card right now. Yeah. Like it's a fucked up time to be like, <laughs> count me in. Yeah. You're applying for your green card and you are a white woman from Canada. Mm-hmm. You have it like almost the easiest. 100%. And that's part of the... Uh, Sorry, I don't mean this in any sort of, um, that's the paralysis that I feel about being like, my feelings are the least important out of the plurality of feelings out of this. So a straight white guy. No, trust me. And I'm trying to like, the thing that I have or not is like my family's from Mexico. Mm -hmm. They all immigrated here illegally years ago and they are now legal citizens. Yeah. But like we have family people here you who, can touch things oh, it's, it's that not, feel it's very not even like wide. it's not far away it's like yeah 
at my house. Yeah. So where basically I want to know like where what can we do? Cuz like we're in a good position. You are less so cuz you're not a citizen yet. Mm-hmm. But you probably will be a citizen soon. Yeah. I mean unless uh, it really does turn into a total yeah. um dictatorship and they don't But you started like... by asking me saying like are is there a chance the days are numbered and the answer is yes. Yeah. Unequivocally. And so what is the active things that we can do? What are they? Sorry. Okay. Well, here's what I'm going to do. Yeah. And I'm going to just say this on record so that that I have to do it. Yeah. Let's both say the things that we're going to do. Okay, fine. So we're going to have to keep each other accountable here. Cool. Um, After Thanksgiving, I want to go to Pennsylvania, Mm -hmm. um, which is a state that Hillary lost, a state that has been won by Democrats many times over. And I want to do this mm-hmm. i want to sit down with the people who like i don't really think we've spoken to mm-hmm. like i don't hear any genuine sincere dialogue between people but they've been otherized in a way that it makes them seem like foreign yeah and there's people who are not complete you know obviously the people who are like kkk or white supremacist white nationalist no but there's be- real desperation and, there's and people s- who are not that mm-hmm. so i think i need to write something from there and go there and figure and extend the olive branch. At least in my head, that's what I have to do. I don't know. If, I don't know if that's gonna do anything. I don't. I have no fucking idea. No, I think. Um, yeah, any increase in empathy is a good thing. Yeah. Um, Are you sold on that idea? Is that like? Should I do that? Yeah, I absolutely think you should do that. Okay. Um, yeah. I wish that we had done it a long time ago and so that people didn't feel so alone where they, but that's the other fucked up thing about this is that like, there's this whole narrative of the, the white working class being sold um, a false dream by a snake oil salesman, which is true, but the richest people in America and educated white women, like they all voted for Trump too. People voted for him with his, their eyes open and for reasons that, aren't out of like destitution and and ignorance and desperation or or things that I could feel and do feel a lot of empathy towards mm-hmm. but um for financial reasons for business interests for um just the most cynical reasons you can Do you have someone in your life of. that did that? No, but I'm Canadian. I don't okay. know a lot of I I've, I've had I a do. couple co- do you I, do, yeah. I do. Well, my stepfather Wow. What what are your conversations with him like? I got him to admit that it's all... He basically conceded and said he doesn't really want to vote for either of them, but has elected to choose Trump. And I don't know if he actually voted, but I know he was very pro-Trump. And why? For the reasons you mentioned, because he's in the top 1%. What does he do? He's uh, a doctor. Yeah. And um, it's horrifying. I mean, he's no, you know... I have love for him, even though he's no longer my... I don't know why I'm telling you this, but... <laughs> it's very relevant yeah, to the conversation. Yeah, I know, but yeah. I'm just telling you about my ex-stepdad. And yeah. Like, Does he listen to this? Maybe. Do you feel careful saying stuff? No. Uh, have other yeah, you know, it's good to be transparent here. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I do, and, it, and it's scary. It's really scary. And I know people who voted for him for relig- what they believe to be religious reasons, even though he doesn't... A spout. I mean, he's. I know he's, he's the antichrist. Um, but what are you going to do? What? What you? This is. I led with my nonsense now. 
What I'm going to do. So all, all the only things I've been doing have been financial because it was a way that I could not read the news and still feel somewhat engaged and, um, just donate to Planned Parenthood and the NAACP and the ACLU and, um, uh, other organizations that I'm really not as familiar with, but were, you know, centered around immigrants and refugees and, um, Muslim and, and Jewish protection. Um, but after that, I don't know. I mean, I, I think empathy is on my mind and trying to engage with the people who might be most at risk for discrimination and having their rights infringed upon is, I mean, you know, there's this organization, I, I just moved back to LA, but I lived here years ago and I did used to volunteer at this place, 826 LA, which is this, um, thing that Dave Eggers started that's an after-school tutoring program, but it's really big on arts yeah, education. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's this lovely thing, and I, I used to like help kids with their math homework or sit there while giving them the wrong answers because I'm terrible at math. But, um, Are you bad at math? Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I like it, though. Yeah. Um, so you were there for moral support. Yeah, I was just like, keep trucking. Um, were you like, hey, I ha- we can just go to the back of the book. Yeah, and, and I was like, answers. do you guys know that like my smartphone has a calculator? <laughs> Um, no, but I think being engaged with people and not isolating into this, like, hand-wringing, um, you know, nihilistic, uh, house on a hill seems like the way that I, I want to engage. I don't know. I know. I just don't know. I, yeah. Um, I don't know. You'll figure it out. Yeah. I, my friend Sophia, who directed um, Always Shine, is much more um, legislatively organized and um, than I am. And so I just talk to her all the time and she tells me uh, mm. the movements I should be making and the things I should be supporting and people I can call and letters I can write. And so doing stuff like that, writing to um, senators and representatives and assemblymen, asking them to either hold strong in their... Um, dissent uh against donald trump or to um pressure them into dissenting i don't know i think people need to feel like they'll be heroes if they do this if there's some incentive for them to Mm. to not tow the company line um yeah those are like morning activities for me but on a greater scale i guess i'm just figuring it out i'm just scared and i feel sad for uh how everybody must be feeling that has it um, is more susceptible than I am. You're upset about the 42% mm-hmm. of women who voted. Mm-hmm. That's the part I, uh, it's hard to wrap. Patriarchy is a potent fucking drug, man. <laughs> like the idea that a woman would be unfit to lead is not isolated it's not a male perspective. It's a patriarchal perspective, which mm. um, affects everybody. But I don't even know. I wonder how much this even has to do with the woman question. I don't it know. It almost feels like racism. It, it it feels like globalization happened too fast and progress was, as always, happening at a snail's pace. But that was too fast for yeah. the status quo. And that it almost doesn't have anything to do with her being a woman. I know mm. that it seems like counterintuitive, but no, I'm no, just no. trying to, it just seems so much more race motivated. It's, it's like a I backlash it's, it's, to Obama. Yeah. Than, it's a back, I think my 
sort of analysis is that it's a backlash to Obama. It's an, an email scandal blown out of proportion. And there are people who still really, really don't like that she stayed with Bill Clinton. And they still hold that bullshit against her. I've, I've but heard- those people who don't like her for staying with Bill Clinton would have raked her over the coals for leaving him. There is nothing that that woman... She's not um, immune to criticism. She deserves to be examined, as does anybody. But that woman cannot do a thing without being told to go the other way. And that's why we have all this complaining about her being inauthentic. Cause when has she done something that people were like, what you did naturally we liked yeah. it's, I, I can't imagine a world in which she left Bill Clinton and she wouldn't become this, you know, man eating, you know, career woman who stepped away from the traditional bonds of marriage and didn't stand by her man. and was just so hungry to become powerful that she went to New York and became a Senator. It's a no win situation. Yeah. It sucks to be Hillary Clinton. I can not imagine. I can't imagine that. I was going to say, I can imagine. I can't imagine that. You were someone who's like in the public eye, I guess now. Do you mm-hmm. feel any of that? Not really. I mean, not really. These sorts of events where I talk about myself like as though I'm not like in the third, I'm not this actually, but the day of promoting the <laughs> yeah. movie where I like analyze myself and talk about my work. I mean, they happen so infrequently that you're really just like, it's like a field trip. Mm-hmm. Do you not like analyzing yourself that way? I love analyzing myself um, as a personal hobby. And with <laughs> my, I mean, this I really enjoy, but um, uh, I, I don't like, I mean, there's a part, it's so funny being an actor because there's, it's yourself, but like you're an avatar for yourself. Mm-hmm. My friend said this a long time ago, and I always repeat it. But she said that she understood why people used to use assumed names being an actor because there's so much performance in the public part of it. And it would be so nice if you could just become another person when you did it and you were Douglas Fairbanks or, yeah. or Marilyn Monroe. Um, and then you could feel good about adopting that because it was a role. And it is, but it's weird at being yourself and wearing your own clothes and looking and seeing this person that's both you and other than you mm. because it's like a, an ice, like a crystallized version of yeah. you. It's so strange. You seem like yourself right now though. I am. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really nice dark room and I'm drinking white wine, which is, I basically live on the bachelor. So I'm always <laughs> drinking white wine. <laughs> uh, the show is mm-hmm. that really, Oh, is this, is this only in my drinking habits? Okay. I just feel like that's the drink of choice. You don't seem like a watcher. So, um, you know what? <laughs> Let me tell you something, Mackenzie. Here's the conversation I really want to be having. Here's something for you. I watched that as a kid with my mom. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I don't watch it now. But I, I, I didn't watch it as a kid. I rejected it and was such a an intellectual slob. And then this year I started watching yeah. it, the Ben season. Um, and goddamn, if I'm not part of Bachelor Nation so tell now, me what, tell me what what's what's the appeal here? Is it just like? Um, I remember as a kid, I liked it because my mom got really excited and I love, I love that's what, and it uh, was like your bonding. I like thing. when people are excited. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun to feel a part of something. It's I always fun. wish I watched sports so I could feel like you I was part sports? of a tribe. No. Yeah. I'm a sports person, I guess. Oh, what, what do you watch? Basketball. Oh, cool. Yeah, I mean, I play it. So it's just easier for me to understand. How tall are you? Six one. Oh, cool. How tall are you? Five eleven. Okay. That's tall. Yeah. Yeah. Is that Okay. 
Uh, it is. It's weird. People talk about it all the time as an actor. It was like, I was tall, but it wasn't the focal point of every conversation when I was growing up. <laughs> and I can't well, meet well, a person say, without them being like, you're tall. I'm like, why would you lead <laughs> with that? <laughs> they say, hi, Mackenzie. Wow, you're really tall. Yeah, people feel, I mean, it's, I think, just a, a general comfort that people have talking about women's bodies sometimes. Mm-hmm. I know that it's like interesting when a person's tall, but yeah. I, but I, th- I find it interesting that people are so comfortable just like declaring well, facts you, about you. <laughs> in, this, in this case, you talked about my body first. I asked you, you because asked, you said you played you basketball asked, and you were sitting down when okay. I came in and I had no idea if your torso was proportional to your legs. <laughs> <laughs> if it was longer or shorter, I wouldn't have said six one as sitting down. Okay. Yeah. That was very the specificity there. Re- really <laughs> impressive. I analyze you analyze everything. Yeah. Is that what you're doing when you're acting? No. Like getting into a role. What's your headspace like? Um Are you like dissecting? A little elements. bit, but but no. I think acting's nice because I think a lot less, and I and that's the whole trick with acting is to like think as little as possible mm. and to just acting is reacting. Oh, I, you know, I've have heard you heard that? that? I have, yeah. yeah. Um, but you, you, but that also makes it sound like you feel you think too much, like on, in your day to day. Um. Yeah, I was just going to be like, oh, I feel guilty. I don't think enough. I think I feel guilt a lot about everything. Okay. Yeah. Why is that? Are you Catholic? No. Yeah. I just... Um, I ask only because I was, ra- I was raised Catholic. Oh, and do you also feel? <laughs> <laughs> Every day. Uh, right before you came in, I was contemplating something. What were you thinking about? Um, <laughs> I was thinking I have a friend right now who's upset about something. And I've been really busy all day. And I don't feel like I've given them enough time Yeah, emotionally. That's such a lovely thing to feel guilty about, though, because there's so much self-awareness and, and your effect on other people. It's not a guilt that isolates yeah, you but from how the much, world. How, how healthy is it to like drown? In, like, I don't want to drown in self-awareness. Like, I am self-aware. You mm-hmm. clearly are. I've known you for 20 minutes and 47 seconds, and you are wildly self-aware. I think that's why we get along. Yeah. It's real flow of <laughs> Catholic guilt assumed and inborn. <laughs> so it's there for you, but you're not religious. No, not at all. I don't know what it is. I, I just feel very fortunate. I feel like my life has been so easy at every turn. Well, things are going well for you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but things just seem to have always gone well for me. Did that not sound sincere? No, <laughs> it did. But I was like, that's the thing is everything's yeah. just been, I don't know. Just have great parents. I grew up like very comfortably. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. My parents are real like American dream. Like they they're real self made people, and I always felt guilty growing up that I was growing up from the fruits of their labor instead of having the same experience that they did from hardship to success. Mm-hmm. And then I think I sort of self manufactured some hardship in my early twenties to to replicate the like stories that I'd grown right, up right. with. What did you manufacture? Uh, I think I just chose to live in places and under, I mean, it's, I just feel embarrassed to even talk about no, it. No, I'm, I'm, this is, my, <laughs> this is the age I'm in, so I'm totally interested. How old are you? Can't. Did I say that in a, in a patronizing way? No. Oh, sorry. <laughs> just giving you shit. Oh. 22. Oh. Oh, that's so cool. And you, oh, I do, do, I just think it's cool. You're a self-made person. Yeah. Um, Where did you grow up? Chicago. And then, did you travel here today? Or uh, further for AFI? I, li- I live in LA now. Oh, you do? When did yeah. you move here? August. How do you like it? 
I'm getting there. I mean, I, you know, I made friends. Yeah, I lived in L.A. when I was 24 to 26 and hated it. Okay. Like, it was my identity that I hated L.A. Then moved back to New York, and now I moved back to L.A. And I think it's really... Uh, you you can't come here thinking that it's shitty. You need to come here. I came here with an open mind. I was yeah. living in San Francisco. Yeah. And so I felt like it was time for a new... But the reason I had, like was asking about what you manufactured is just because I feel like I oh, manufacture yeah. stuff because my life has been, I mean, yeah, I mean, like it's been mostly good. Yeah. Easy living. So what did you do in, in, in like early twenties that you were manufacturing? I feel like bad talking. About, I, oh no, it's nothing terrible. I just don't, like, don't feel embarrassed. I just wanted to, um, my parents are so supportive and, uh, you know, not in any like crazy way living in the lap of luxury when I was in my 20s but they paid for me to go through school they gave me an allowance when I was in, yeah, yeah. in university and I just I had the same yeah, yeah I just um felt guilty about that and so would just have a self-imposed allowance of like nothing it's just because I never struggled I just didn't I, fe- I felt like I I misery always felt like a really important element um to being creative Maybe I no longer feel that way, but I, um, yeah, I just felt like having the life that I grew up in and, 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 and was continuing to have was going to make me a deeply complacent and, and boring person. And I didn't like that. You don't seem complacent or boring. Probably because I am. You did. So, if you're listening to this right now, you're probably uh, either back home for the holidays or traveling. Maybe you're staying in town, wherever you are. Uh, But, at least on my end, Thanksgiving seems to be a time where, besides the uncontrollable eating, it's like the time I can watch movies with my family that I don't normally get to watch. Um, That sometimes leads us down... An interesting path. I remember I showed my mom like under the skin uh, a couple Thanksgivings ago. Actually, the whole family w- w- was shown under the skin, and they were just uh, they they considered disowning me for a second. Uh, they were completely mortified. Um, but that said, uh, watching movies with the family is a it's a fun thing. Or if you're by yourself or you're just with friends, that's also a fun thing when you have uh, a little bit of free time. Uh, and, and one worth definitely checking out, if it's not on your radar already, is this new Belgian film called Badin Badin. It's a sweet, funny, yet poignant dramedy about a mid-twenties woman who returns to home in Strasbourg for the summer after having lived abroad. There's something kind of uh, magnetic about Anna, who's the protagonist. It's not your typical story of a young person trying to start anew. Like, you've seen that story again and again and again. But she is who she is. She seems, like, very confident about who she is. But she's also doing her best to just figure out the next move. Sometimes these stories can seem repetitive or trivial. But French director Rachel Lang really does an excellent job here. So... If you're in New York City or L.A. this week and need something to watch, maybe check this one out. It's playing at the Anthology Film Archives and at the Arena Cine Lounge. It's Mubi's first uh, proper theatrical release, 
you know, so it's always good to support a new foray by showing up. For those who don't live in those cities, no worries. It'll be coming a movie following the theatrical run. If that at all sounds like something you may be interested in, uh, you can learn more about the film at badanbadanfilm.com. We'll include a link in the show notes. All right, back to Mackenzie. The worlds that your characters are in, uh, in Black Mirror, and I, what I assume Blade Runner. I don't want to know details. I'm not. I don't. I'm not interested in that. Uh-huh. But uh, I watched. Black Mirror for the first time last night. Oh, cool. Your episode. Oh, cool. For one, like, my God, it's really good. Isn't it nice? It's, it's really good. But here's the thing I will say that I read an interview of yours and you were like, it's a happy episode. You don't no, think so? It is fucking not a happy Why? Well, I, I was, I had a really hard time sleeping because I. Wait, and you've never seen Black Mirror before? No, I know it gets worse. I know I... But I've, you need read, the relative read, experience know, to understand know, know. what I was talking some, about. You said something about, like, John Hamm or some shit. I don't know what's going on. But but I will say this because I'm very nervous about dying. Very, very constant anxiety about what dying. What scares you about it? Are you okay with it? Um, yeah. Oh, okay. Why don't we go start with the happy place and tell me... Oh, but I'm but on like a very pragmatic level, I'm like, yeah, I guess I want to keep living, but when I'm dead, I'll be dead, and I won't know, so it doesn't matter. (laughs) Bullshit! That is just, I mean, that's smart. That's smart. I admire you for for that. It just because I don't, I just want to keep being. I don't know, and I, I don't. You know, my main thing is I don't want my parents to die. Oh my god, I'm so scared of my parents dying. It's It's my number one conversation with them and anybody I love. I'm just, I'm always like, are you in a car accident? Like, I just, it's a constant You're calling them up and asking if they've been in a car accident? If they haven't texted me back in, you know, a couple of hours, I just freak out. And my parents, I mean, my dad has like a cut on his head and it's a scab and it hasn't healed and I'm terrified that he has um, a brain tumor. I I, I don't know. We're all like really freckly and moly and I'm like, oh, we're all going to just die of skin cancer. Um, Your skin seems fine. (laughs) But I just don't know. Well, I'm fine with it being me. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're your foundation. Well, yeah, I just, yeah, oh my God, I can't even touch that. It just, I, it's, it's my greatest fear. Yeah, it's mine too. Um, and that episode, like, really, it's just very unnerving, very unnerving, even though the sort of alternate reality where we can just, like, escape into some portal. Mm-hmm. But that even seems, like, even more depressing in a way. Like, it's, it's even more the sort of trapped, yeah. infinite nature of it. You know what I think it was really interesting about that interview that I mean that episode and I I didn't do interview I did interviews only before it premiered and we couldn't talk about anything so we couldn't have like discussions about it okay, really good. we were just Let's like it. it's a story about two women in the 80s and that was it um is it's this really interesting argument for the afterlife but only if it's sanctioned by human creation yeah. so it is heaven it is as intangible as our idea of heaven, but we believe in it because of just human hubris and that if we have created the um, technology surrounding this invisible place that only exists if you've gone there and you don't know unless you've gone there, um, then it, it it's I, it's such a weird justification for a human-born heaven while also denying any faith-based heaven. Yeah. Which That's a great explanation really for it. 
Oh, that's actually really accurate. Um, I don't know why it scares you, though. Because you don't... You just can't deal with things about death? It's just a thing. I don't know. I gotta get over it. I gotta get yeah. the fuck over it. When did you cross... Like, when did you get over that hurdle? You're uh, smiling right now. Because I have a very specific thing, but I haven't uh, ever said about... Or talked about it. I don't know why I'm like... As though I'm giving interviews all the time. When I was 17, I was on holiday with my family and in Italy, in Capri, and I <laughs> grew up privileged. Um, and I was crossing the road and I got hit by a taxi cab and flew 40 feet and then was like not... Basically, my mom and my sister were on the other side of the road. My dad was... Um, up at the place that we were staying at and he just heard them screaming and came down and it was, everybody thought that I had died. I don't remember any of this. I remember, and then I got like heli lifted to a, a hospital in Southern Italy and, and got um, what's called an epidural craniotomy where they take out a portion of your skull, your brain's bleeding and they need to like relieve the pressure and they take out this like coagulated blood bruise that's outside the casing of your brain and and then they put your skull back in and then you uh-huh. put, there's like four corners so it's in. Anyways I don't remember any of it. I remember looking one way across the street. So you look. I look and didn't see anything and then I don't remember anything. I remember feeling like the um the back brakes they put on you when they put you in a helicopter is that's like a jigsaw puzzle that slips together and then locks. I remember that feeling. So I remember, oh, remember that part. Yeah, I remember like three. Th- well, I remember four things. This is such a personal story, but um, I remember feeling my dad was in the helicopter with me, and I remember feeling his tears on my arm and being like, "Don't cry." And then I remember before I had surgery, being like, "Don't cut my hair" because I had to shave my head. <laughs> um, but then I was out for like four days and I don't remember any of it and I don't remember getting hit and I just if you die you're just fucking dead what sucks is for everybody around you yeah and that's why I don't want my parents to die because I don't want to deal with the aftermath of their death or my sister I don't think I can handle it but I saw in that experience how much what they saw happen to me fucked them up and had literally no effect on me I mean it like obviously shook them and dismantled some equilibrium in my family to think that your child has died in front of you. But I was the one who was almost dead, so I don't remember any of it. And so that frees me of the fear as I'm like, I don't want to be the one dealing with people dying. Mm. I'm, it's very selfish to be like, you can deal with the aftermath of my death, but I can't. You seem so uncomfortable. I'm sorry. No, I think it's affected me. <laughs> it's more hard than to it's know about. You. But it's just a like a cocktail story for me now. Mm. Mm-hmm. What are you feeling? I, I, I don't know. I don't even know you. <laughs> but like. But if it was you, it wouldn't I matter because it, it was just I. Rem- <laughs> I the only thing was like it was a light switch that went on and off a couple times for like my memories of that. Yeah. Um. I would be bummed if you died. I'd be bummed. I'd be bummed if you died. <laughs> so would my family, and I'd be bummed if they died. Yeah. And you. It's it's a hard it's I'm hard glad, to I'm deal with yes. It's hard to deal with the <laughs> the weight of death, but that's what makes me not scared of my own. Okay. Because it frees you from no, that, that emotional burden. That experience and the cocktail story as you described it <laughs> makes sense. Yeah. I totally get it. And it reminds me of this quote. It reminds me of this quote that I wrote down from the show yesterday. Uh-huh. Which is that um I'm passing through. While I'm here, I'm going to have a good time. So the reason I bring that up is because, like, after that happened to you, 
is that i'm not saying like that's your mo now but like is does that feel right does that make sense like that guiding principle oh that you think that that freed me up it freed you up and not to say not to speak of your like political advocacy and Mm -hmm. and the clear things that we led this conversation by Mm -hmm. that are imperative but like maybe in a way it has freed you up to just be more fearless or something i don't know i don't know um i definitely hear where you're coming from and i think it'd be hard to be like a lot of guilt (laughs) i'm like it's not like that event didn't have an impact on me because it absolutely did and it um at once made me not fear death but also think that i was invincible because i was like well guess Mm. nothing can kill me (laughs) (laughs) but um I don't know. I still feel burdened by a lot of, you know, expectations and, and ideas of, of, of how a person should be that I'm constantly grappling with. So I don't feel like I've been freed of, you know, the coils of. Have your expectations of yourself radically changed since you started being in films? I had to think it was strange, right? Cause yeah. like you, you've been in so much stuff recently that was like very popular. Yeah, but the cool thing is, is I always have a small part. In You're the friends. I'm the other person. Are you a good friend? Is that what it is? Uh, yeah, I'm a good friend. Okay. No, I think I'm a very good friend, but I just don't have that many friends. But the ones that I do, I'm like extremely, I love very deeply. I just don't know how to have light relationships. I can only have um, really necessary intense relationships. So <laughs> some people opt out. <laughs> uh, no, this is odd because uh, it's exactly my my life. Are you talking about romantically you can't have relationships? Oh, oh no, I was talking about with friendships. friendships. Yeah, but Do romantically as well. I've never been able to like casually date. I'm just either in a relationship or isolated for two years and then in a relationship again. Okay. I don't know how to have a like casual See, thing. at least you do that because my approach is like a lot of pushing away. Why? Well, one, because in my head, I've created this false narrative. Mm-hmm. And I recognize it's a false narrative. What which, is it? Which is that I'm like 22. I don't know. I should be like out there. But I felt I hated I'm 29 now. And I when I was your age, I fucking... Or maybe when I was a little bit older than you, when I at least had the perspective to be like, oh, I hate this. I felt so much expectations to... So many expectations to be like a fucking machine to just be like out dating people all the time to be having the craziest life to have a a version of the 20s of your 20s that matches up to everything i'd seen in film and read about and i just didn't i'm like kind of a home buddy i've i've um don't I, I don't know. I get overwhelmed with l- large groups of people. I don't know how to have casual relationships. And I always felt like such a failure at being in my 20s. I think your 20s are harder than your teens. I really, yeah. at least that was my experience. Is there so much expectation to, and you're moving to a new city. You're like mm-hmm. supposed to be having this crazy adventure that you're going to write <laughs> yeah, about. And what if you don't? don't what know. if you just stay at home? Yeah. That's I, okay too. Last episode was with zoe kazan <gasps> i know zoe yeah you guys were in the She's lovely. word yeah and she was like afterward i don't think she'll mind that i say this but like she said god the 20s are terrible like I, they suck i they, hate I'm so, them. And she's like are you are you okay sam and i'm yeah. like no one ever ever asked me that question yeah and it's because like it's supposed to in 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 the perception it's supposed to be great mm-hmm but it 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 is and it isn't like i think maybe that's every age though St- I think it is for you're, some. You're like you're about to be thirty. I know. I'm so how, excited. How are you feeling? Looking forward to it for five years. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 
<laughs> like I'm ready for all that not caring about my body or what people think about me now. <laughs> um, and I do think that that changes. I think I think your twenties are really really hard because mm. you're an adult, but you're not really. You still have all these mm. ideas. Everything you know kind of comes from books and movies because you haven't really lived a lot. Of, I mean, you seem like. You've done a lot more than I did when I was 22, but no, I haven't um, shit. no but you've, you know, built yeah. a business and stuff. And you moved to LA by yourself. Something. Yeah. yeah. Um, you went to New York. What do you mean? You, you, you were in yeah, LA. But I finished university. Oh, I guess I was, oh, I guess I, I guess I did move to New York when I was 22. You gotta give yourself credit. Here. Yeah. God, go me. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll help cheerlead if you need no, to. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, everything, especially at 22, you kind of... Did you go to university? Or I did, did two years and then I stopped. And yeah. That's a longer story I'll tell you about. But but still, you go from like high school to university and everything's like... All your information is from other people's experiences mm-hmm. that's been written down or recorded. And that's all the information you have to go on about what a life is like. Until you start living a life and you're like, oh, I don't have to be that way. My 20s can be this thing and that your forties are supposed to be in my thirties can be this other thing. There's just no one single way to live a life. And it, it's amazing how long that takes you to figure out. I feel really silly for not thinking about that, but I never did either. It I took know. me forever to figure that you out. Help me out right here. Yeah. Cool. It's true. And it's only going to get more true that okay. you're like, Oh, I mean, I, okay. So I feel this with acting so much that all I know about acting is my own experience. And then growing up, as you obviously do, you just read interviews with actors about their process and this and, and all of these sort of mythologies about how you make a character. And I always felt when I was starting, like, I didn't know what the, um, like, what the method was that a person should use, what it meant to, like, it felt sometimes, easy to me and because i wasn't playing like a 17th century nun that i needed to do a lot of research for they were all humans based in a reality somewhat relatable to my own but i couldn't handle things just being easy and that if i you know memorized the lines and and understood my relationship to people that if it was easy that was okay it always felt like that was a failure and that you mm. needed to put in hours and hours of work to prove that if it ended up being you know, something that had any modicum of success that like you worked for that, that it didn't just come out of nowhere. And it took me so long to be like, some things are going to be hard and that's fine when they're hard and you'll work on them accordingly, but some things are going to be easy and that's also okay. That's not cheating. That's not, um, you're not taking a shortcut. It's okay for things to be easy. You don't need to manufacture all this work to, um, really seeing a theme in my character right now about <laughs> needing to make things harder for myself. Um, that is a reoccurring thing. Yeah. Uh, but maybe that speaks to your ambition, right? Like you needed to make it hard because you wanted so badly to, to, to make a career of this. Yeah, I guess. Am I projecting that? I don't know. Is that? I don't know. I always think it has to do with my parents because I'm so impressed with them that I I wanted to deserve my life like they deserved theirs. Yeah. You know? But the parts that you landed, like you'd immediately downplayed it. You Like the first thing I said was like, you've done so many good small, you know, friend roles. And you're like, oh, but they're always, the first thing, (laughs) your first reaction to like a compliment or like a, a fact about your life is like, well, it, it's not, yeah, it's not that good. <laughs> and that's that guilt. <laughs> that's that guilt. 
Um, no, I can accept some things. I just... Are you happy with the stuff you've done? Yeah, I am right now. I'm really happy, like, right in this moment. With I feel like I've reached... Um, I have enough work behind me that I no longer feel just excited to be invited to the party, which was the case for mm. my for the first part of my career. And now I that feel... That must have been strange, right? I was, I was thinking... I was going through the IMDb and, like... Uh-huh. Yeah, that movie with, like, Zac Efron. Mm-hmm. What was that called? It was called um, That Awkward Moment. Oh, yeah, that. Yeah. Was that exciting or fun? or was it, what, what was that whole process like, doing those roles with folks who were, like, running the party? Um, it was nice. It didn't feel... Everybody was really lovely. It didn't feel like the world that I was seeking to inhabit. What kind of world did you want to inhabit? I just didn't, um, it, it, you know what? It, it, everybody was like lovely who made that movie and great. I just, it was, um, you know, I was playing like the cool, the cool girl who thinks everything the main character does is cool and funny and they can't do you anything. You the cool girl a lot. But that type of cool girl, or what do you mean? Well, like in um in what if or the F word. Oh yeah, I guess. But 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 in the F word, I feel like it's a it was a different. It, it didn't feel like a trope as much in the F word. Okay. In, in the other one, I just felt very like I I was I don't know. I don't want to to be disrespectful in any no, way because certainly. that movie was like ended up being really. A lovely exposure for me and, and everybody who I made it with was so great but I definitely felt um, uh, I don't know I, it was just I guess playing a girlfriend role generally is yeah. not something that feels like super fulfilling to me <laughs> um, and that was very much a girlfriend role but it was also the beginning of my career I don't know I, I, I feel cautious right now but um uh, but what if I don't know? I, I it felt different. It felt like m- messy and sloppy and gross. It didn't feel um, like the cool best friend. That you the spectrum of characters yeah. though that's there and like yeah. Though I will say they don't seem like you at all. Don't seem like me. No. Oh, cool. I always worry that that I only play myself in every movie. Really? You think you you're like the person in the F word? No, I guess not. But I guess it feels like some part of me, some gross part of me. I understand that. I think there's probably a part of you in there. Yeah, I don't know how else to to do it. I yeah. think. What's the ideal acting wise or or creative wise? You talk about like the girlfriend role not being filling entirely for you, and like thinking forward. Mm-hmm. What makes sense, or what are you excited about, or what are you even interested in? I'm really excited about stuff that the, that's coming my way right now and the place that my career is in right now. Um, I think I feel comfortable making um, fewer and stronger choices and, and I no longer feel this real fear about it not working out. Uh, not that I think it's like a done deal, but yeah. I... I feel good about the work that I've done and the sort of people that I'm getting to work with. And as far as an ideal role, I, I don't know. I never know how to answer that question. I don't have like a, a, a woman in my mind I want to play. I, I, I want to play things that feel like necessary okay. in some way. I'll rephrase. Okay. What art do you see 
past or present that you're like, that's amazing. That's something I would love to maybe do one day. Oh. Is that harder or easier? I don't know. (laughs) Well, because it's two things. Like, that's amazing and that's something I would love to do someday. I, like, don't have... I mean, Woman Under the Influence, I think, is one of the best performances in history. Just watch. (laughs) Oh, it's... Yeah. But, I mean, I, I can't... I wouldn't even do like a table read of that because it's so good. I mean, there's things that are so amazing and um, there's no person other than Jenna Rollins that can do that weird fucking Jenna Rollins, like wink weird thing that she does. That's, that's not to be um, reinterpreted or improved upon. I don't think you're going to do the Mackenzie Davis thing. Yeah, cool. So then I don't, so that's the thing is I just want to do the Mackenzie thing and, uh, I don't know. I was talking about this today that I think um, four months, three weeks, two days, that Romanian movie. Have you seen that? I guess you've seen all the movies <laughs> out of the two I mentioned. Um, two yeah. <laughs> and that Black Mirror episode. Thank you. That one singular um, yeah. Black- <laughs> <laughs> um, that's, I, I was just thinking about that movie today because it felt sort of relevant to Always Shine in the sense of making this very female, like personal, urgent experience and treating it with the gravity of the final moments of somebody, uh, you know, dismantling a bomb under a timer mm. and, and, and making it important in the way that it feels subjectively, but is often not treated objectively as important mm. um, as it feels subjectively. Because I mean, there's, there's no more thrilling and no bigger deal um, than what's happening in your own life and finding filmmakers that find a way to integrate that yeah and and to make it make the specific universal uh is so i find it very political as well Mm -hmm. a a way of inviting people into these personal experiences and being like this is as interesting Mm -hmm. as somebody hopping trains i have faith you're gonna do that so thank you so much thank you so much you're so great i love this okay what a nice solve at the end of the day Well, there it is. A special thanks to Shipra Gupta and Adam Kirsch at Brigade. Just a reminder that Always Shine, Mackenzie's latest film, opens at the Roxy Theater in San Francisco this Friday, November 25th. Season 4 of the terrific show Halt and Catch Fire will debut later next year, but for now, the first three seasons are available to stream on Netflix. And if you haven't checked out her episode of Black Mirror yet, it's called San Junipero. You really ought to do so. It's one of my favorite hours of cinema I've experienced this year. Lastly, a big thanks to Mackenzie for making her podcast debut on Talk Easy. If you enjoyed today's episode and need some extra podcast listening over the holidays, you may enjoy some of our past conversations with folks like Zoe Kazan, Melanie Linsky, Ben Schwartz, and Eric Andre. As always, helping spread the word about this week's episode or the show in general would be much appreciated. A review on iTunes, no matter how long it is, helps new listeners find the show. If you're not currently doing so already, you can subscribe to the program on iTunes, SoundCloud, or your favorite podcasting app. If you want to drop us a line about anything, feel free to email the show at talkeasypod at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TalkEasyPod, as well as our website, www.talkeasypod.com. Our music this week is by Vanilla out of the UK. Our executive producer is David Chen. Graphics by Ian Jones. Illustrations by Krishna Shenoy. 
Social media by Maria Mela. The show is produced and edited by Coria Tad. I'm your host, Sam Fragoso. Thank you for listening to Talk Easy. Have a great Thanksgiving, and I'll see you next week. The Medal of Honor podcast is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. It's a special thing to be a member of Navy Federal because they're a member-owned, not-for-profit credit union that invests in their members with amazing rates and low fees. That's why members earn and save more every year. If you are active duty, a veteran, or have a family member who is a veteran or service member, you're eligible for membership. Become a Navy Federal member today. Navy Federal Credit Union. Members are the mission. Insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender. The tradition of breaking tradition continues with the return of the unconventional awards from T-Mobile for Business at Mobile World Congress. This is an event that celebrates innovators whose bold actions took their industries to new places. If that sounds like you and you're a T-Mobile for Business customer, enter today. If you win, you'll be publicly honored among some of the most influential leaders in industry and me. I'll be there too. Enter now at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there. Thinking of popping the question? Diamonds Direct has an offer you can't miss. This month only, buy a natural diamond engagement ring of one carat plus and receive a free natural one carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. No one provides education, selection, and value like Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet from your friends at Diamonds Direct won't last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com.